Hello, and welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Lucas Stock, and with me, as always, is... Gen Z boy. Oh, yes, your boy. Jens Nelson. <laughs> this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we explore, discuss, and grow with each other uh, together as followers of Christ. Um, on today's episode, we're going to get into a topic that we felt was relevant. Uh, it's always relevant, but especially relevant in these times. Um, and we also have a history of uh, talking about uh, together and, and sort of uh, appreciate um, any chance we can get to bring this up uh, when we're talking about theology and culture and all that stuff. But well, anytime we little... can take anything from our moody education and apply oh, yeah. it to life, I think is a, yeah. a great uh, a great accomplishment. Yeah, because it's not very often. So no, I'm <laughs> <Apparently> not. <laughs> um, but it's a little bit of a heavy topic. So beforehand, uh, let's you know, figured we could just check in. How you doing, man? Shoot the breeze before it gets real. Shoot the breeze a little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> Yeah, things are going well. It's been very nice here in Wisconsin. Uh, we've had a few days now where it's been at least 50 degrees and sunny, though there was one day that was like 60 degrees and sunny, and I was at work, and I was like really bummed that I had to be inside most <laughs> of the day. So like any chance I could get, you know, so like during all this COVID-19 stuff, every hour we're supposed to sanitize, you know, like registers and um, door handles on our, like, you know, where you go to get soda and milk and we also have to go out to the gas pumps to sanitize the, um, you know, the pin pad and the the handles themselves. So like, I was always the one that like every hour I'm like, I'm going outside, going outside. I'm gonna go disinfect, <laughs> and I would take like an extra bit of time because it was just like so nice. So like, you know, after a long winter, um, you know, a cold winter and snow, it's just so refreshing to be in, uh, you know, the nice spring air. Um, my wife and I also finally bought Animal Crossing. <laughs> I know we Whoop. alluded to that in a previous episode, how we were hoping to get a good tax return and then um, uh, buy it, and we didn't. But then this last week, so like with all of this COVID-19 stuff, uh, our work mm. is paying us like hazard pay, um, oh, a couple good. extra dollars an hour. And I worked 50 hours one week to help cover people who have been sick. So Dang. I was kind of like, well, you know, I'm bringing in all this extra money. You just got paid, Hannah. We're getting our stimulus check in a couple weeks, so like, let's just do it because you know, it, it, we're, we're, she's home a lot more than I am, so it gives her something to kind of do, and plus, it's fun to yeah. play. So, yeah. What about you oh, guys? Yeah, for what's, sure. what's going on? I don't know. Uh, it, everything's blending together these days with working from home. I know. Yeah, I don't know what day it is. Uh, I mean, like, I know what day it is, but like, when I, it's right. not as easy to differentiate the days anymore. Yeah, no kidding. Like, yeah, and we've got everyone in our house is working from home, mm. like. Um, the weekends don't feel like weekends anymore. Like, obviously we don't do work, but like everything else is the same. <laughs> like we're in the same rooms, <laughs> usually wearing the same clothes. Uh, you know, like there's more time to watch TV. So we're catching up on lots of shows. We just, we just, this week we watched Tiger King. The we doc, also the started that documentary. Yeah. Good goodness I, uh, you, I we're, we're only three episodes <laughs> in so don't ruin anything uh but it, yeah. it is pretty crazy <laughs> it's wild it's wild uh and not just because so, yeah. of those wild animals it's just yeah wild. it's wild on many levels and it just <laughs> keeps getting wilder the further the further in you go <laughs> it's like the triune god it, you, you never right. exhaust it um mm. anyway I, whatever um yeah i don't know it's weird it doesn't feel like april it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like anything because of COVID nineteen. So, um, but speaking that's... of speaking of April though, it's April fifth. Yeah. It's my younger brother's birthday. So if you're oh. listening today, we're recording on your birthday. Happy birthday, younger bro! So yeah, it doesn't. You're right. I didn't feel like April. So when I realized it was April fifth, I was like, "Whoa, it's my brother's birthday." <laughs> <laughs> um, also, speaking of April, um, these we were just checking out our uh, analytics as good content creators a little bit ago and um we you know this it's april 5th while we're recording this and so these short few days at the beginning of april have been our best days yet as far as yeah. uh downloads of our podcast so we want to give a huge shout out to anyone who's listened in the last few days in the last few episodes or listened to all of them um we really really appreciate the support and um 
you know, would love to hear what you what you more about what you think in on social media or, or via email, you know, listen to the end if you don't know what our uh, Twitter handle is. Yeah. And I think I'll just add um, my appreciation as well. I mean, as as somebody who I mean, I don't think we've ever mentioned this, but I've, I've d- technically done two other podcasts before I did life and godliness. Uh, I did life a, a podcast called life and godliness with another pastor when I was at um, the church where I was a youth pastor. And then at that same church, um, I created an app for our student youth group. And in the app, there was a ton of content. There were like um, sermon videos from each week, question and um, like small group question type material. Um, there was also a small podcast where we were making our way through a catechism. So there were like two minute podcast episodes. Like I would ask the question and then answer it and then briefly explain. So like I, you know, I've had I've had interactions like you and I where it's conversational. I've ha- sort of had like my own thing. Um, but this is this has just been really cool to see um, and put out for like a, a wider audience because even life and godliness was sort of in design for our church and for the people that were in our sphere but this has gone out to like farther reaching areas and so it's like really cool and also humbling and also a little scary to know that there are people <laughs> out there who are probably much smarter than me um, you know much more educated who know a lot about these topics maybe who could present the material in a much more cohesive and precise way. So I don't know, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed um, the feedback that we've had on, you know, I know you're, you don't see any of the Instagram feedback, but I share it with you and um, you, you kind of look at a lot of the Twitter feedback as well. So mm-hmm. we're just, um, yeah. we're both very excited and thankful. And I guess today on this episode too, like once we get into it, um, I mean, our hope is that this podcast, again, as we say over and over, isn't just intellectual, but is something that you can take into your real life and use. And I think today might be one of our most practical episodes, at least from that standpoint. Like when we talk Mm -hmm. about this topic, um, it's something that you can use in your everyday life. I mean, especially right now amidst COVID-19. But as we're going to kind of go on and say, like our lives only get more difficult and suffering increases as we increase with age. Um, so I think this is going to be a good topic that you can not just have an intellectual concept in your head and can talk about with friends, but it's like, this is something you can put into action. So I think that's going to be kind of cool to, to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely excited to talk about it. So, um, and that's kind of a perfect segue into, um, getting into what this topic is. So today, uh, we're going to be talking about lament and what, you know, lamenting the action the place, the nature of what it means for us as Christians to participate in and engage in lament. Um, so like we mentioned, this is a topic that we have, you know, I mean, I guess I'd say <laughs> it sounds kind of weird, but like we have a bit of a history of thinking through and talking about this topic together because uh, the two of us and my wife Elaine um, all took a class together at Moody on um, theology of suffering, which was a so, great class. Like a great I really, class. That was like one of my all-time <laughs> favorite classes. Yeah, um, great class taught by two of some of the best professors that are at Moody, um, or at least were at the time. Maybe they've, you know, been oh, yeah, upstarted really know. by some young, <laughs> some hip new professors. I don't know, um, but uh, it was a really important class, I think, in our education because of the subject matter and just. Mm-hmm. The way that it was a deep dive into something that's not necessarily an everyday sort of church topic, if that makes sense. I don't sense. know why. I, we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that, but I don't know why it's not. Yeah. And so a big part of that class, which was about like, you know, suffering more broadly and thinking through suffering theologically in general, but a big part of that uh, was lament and sort of exploring what it means to lament. Um as we are faced with these examples of suffering, things that we experience in our own life, things that we experience uh, in those around us uh, that we love, or that we, you know, read on the news about those who are far away, um, su- you know, suffering brought on by our own actions, by other people's actions, by natural disasters, like you name it. Um, when we're thinking through these things, it can be really um, difficult to know how to respond and how maybe where we think we're supposed to respond and what is the quote unquote Christian response, or maybe what is the, you know, uh, theologically appropriate response or something like that. Um, and it's, 
it can be hard to think through if we don't have any sort of concept of a biblical view of the human experience of suffering. And that's a much, you know, obviously a much deeper topic than just talking about lament. But as we'll we'll see, um, the Bible gives us lament. I would sort of describe it as um, a a language or a a way to speak of our suffering and of the suffering in the world around us. So we wanted to start off by kind of defining what, you know, some aspects of lament, some some characteristics, um, and what we sort of see as um, a limitation that, you know, the church tends to have um, in terms of neglecting the use of or the preaching of or the, you know, corporate experience of lament. Um, right. And so, yeah, basically, you know, lamenting is kind of, uh, I guess we could say, reflecting on, meditating on, pondering on um, something bad, (laughs) I guess, is sort of the most basic way to put it. Is it, you know, can you think of a better sort of definition um, that you might want to use? Yeah, I didn't, so I didn't come up with like a super precise definition um, for myself, I so there's a book that I would highly, highly recommend um, by my, uh, Mark Vogrop, um, and it's uh, it's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, and so he sort of writes it from a place of like having been someone who experienced this grace of of lament, and he sort of writes what it is, how we use it, um, who uses it, and it's just a really helpful book. And the way that he, I mean, he sort of has a couple definitions for it, but he says that lament is the language of a people who believe in God's sovereignty, but live in a world with tragedy. So lament is almost like a language or a bridge, um, a transition between the suffering of this world, like the realities that we can experience and see, and like the promise of the reality that is to come. So like, I mean, the reason that this is talked about so frequently in our suffering class is because it is intimately connected to suffering. Um, And suffering isn't, we're not just talking about like the major atrocities of the world, you know, like the Holocaust or 9-11 or whatever. Like we're talking about just like everyday things that happen to us. Um, You know, sorrow comes to us every single day in a wide spectrum of expressions. I mean, loneliness, ailing bodies, job loss, financial struggles, abuse, conflict in marriage, you know, a thousand other things that can happen to us uh, where we suffer, where we're in pain. And so lament is sort of that like we've said that transition or that bridge between the pain and the promise so between this is my experience in the here and the now but like this is who i know my god is this is like who i know him to be his character his sovereignty his providence and it's like helping us bridge that gap so instead of wallowing in despair um like woe is me woe is me my life sucks my life's over god why do you hate me um And instead of just like putting on a fake happy face all the time, lament is like that in-between that helps us get from our pain to ultimately that promise. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, another way that you could define it is that lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart that is wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of, of God's goodness. So lament is rooted also in what we believe. So if we have a weak theology, if we have a low theology of suffering, if we have a low theology of God's sovereignty, we might not be able to lament as well as we otherwise could if our theology was more grounded and more um, robust. Mm, That's good. So are you saying that if we use lament or if we respond to our pain by lamenting, we're going to sort of feel better like we're gonna we're gonna get out of that pain like like you know that we're gonna bridge from the pain to the promise so like we're in pain we respond with lament and that's sort of like building a bridge and then on the other side of our lament everything's better or at least it feels better well so i'll I'll say i'll answer with yes and no um because it it, this isn't like a magical band-aid that we put on any situation that we're in and it automatically fixes what we're going through um because like finding an explanation or a quick solution for grief 
um, while it's a great goal, while it's one that we all want to have, um, it can sort of like circumvent the opportunity afforded that is in lament, which is to give a person permission to wrestle with sorrow or to wrestle with sorrow instead of rushing to end it. So I think a lot of times when when suffering, when pain, when trials befall us, we want to rush through it. We want to be like, let's just get through this. Like, let's get to the next thing. Let's get to sunshine and rainbows and happiness all the time. Mm, right. Um, but that's just not the reality of the world that we live in. And it's not the reality of like how God conforms us to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when we read the New Testament, when we read the letters from Paul and Peter and John, um, I mean, they all they all basically promise like you're going to face hardship. You are going to face persecution. You are going to endure suffering. Um, but it's not suffering divorced from God's sovereignty. It's not suffering outside of his will, but it is all used to, um, you know, suffering produces character, produces hope, produces endurance. You know, like there's like, um, verses in the Bible all the time that talk about the way that suffering, um, makes us more like Christ. I mean, Christ himself suffered upon the cross. He endured um, rejection. He endured, um, you know, being reviled, being spit on, being whipped and beaten and crucified. Um, But we know that that suffering wasn't purposeless. Um, So I think sort of to answer your question, uh, lament isn't a quick fix, like in how to get through your suffering Mm -hmm. in three easy steps. Um, But it, at, on the other side of it, it is a way in which if we lament properly, we can at least see our suffering in the scope of the already not yet. Mm. Um, and which is a theme that I think comes up quite often in scripture, this reality of like, we are already saved. So we've already been, um, justified, but you know, we're not yet glorified. Um, this, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated, but it is not yet consummated. Um, and so living in that tension of like already not yet, we know that like we are free from like the tyranny of sin and like it's punishment, but we're not like free from sin. So like, that's why we still live in this tension of a world that is, um, racked with pain that is racked with, um, disease and, um, you know, COVID-19 coronavirus. And like, even outside of like that pandemic that's going on right now, there's, you know, natural disasters and, um, people still going through cancer still, um, you know, fighting day. I mean, I have diabetes. My wife has Crohn's disease. Like we, on a daily basis, like we're two people who have um, bad immune systems. So like we're especially susceptible to getting the coronavirus. So it's like, there are just all these things that um, happen in this world. And so to live in the tension of like, there's pain, but we know the promise that is to come. Like a lot of that comes in the valleys of lament, like learning how, and I think some of this will start to make more sense when we say, how mm-hmm. to lament mm-hmm. um as opposed to just like defining what it right. is um yeah but i think that what do you, what do you have yeah to say? i think that that's that's a really it, like it that answer sort of reveals the the way that lament is um deeper than fixing our you know quote unquote just fixing our um, um emotional right. pain or um fixing our problems you, you know like if if we have an issue where our car broke down, so we're upset, like it'd be one thing to just magically fix the car and like that would fix the external problem. But what's deeper than just a magic wand that takes away our feelings and our difficult situations is um, lament. And and I think that your answer really showed that. And it brings to mind this quote that I found from, um, Dr. Peterman and Dr. Schmutzer, uh, Gerald Peterman and Andrew Schmutzer, who they were the prof- the professors who co-taught our Theology of Suffering class, they have a really helpful book called Between Pain and Grace. Um, and Dr. Schmutzer, in his chapter on lament, um, he, he says this, and I think it is really, really helpful. He says, if the performance of praise exalts and affirms, the performance of lament names and transforms. So when we're praising God, we're exalting him. We're affirming what is true about him. You know, God is all powerful. So we praise him. We, we lift him higher than any other name. And we proclaim that which is true about him, his love, his mercy, his majesty, whatever. When we are lamenting, we're naming something. You know, I have cancer. My, my child died in a horrible accident. The world around me is being, you know, gripped by 
a seemingly uncontrollable <laughs> public health pandemic that is shutting <laughs> down the global economy. <laughs> like um, we're naming something, you know, whatever that something is, um, and transforms, names and transforms. And, you know, obviously I name the pain that the coronavirus gives me. That doesn't change the coronavirus. That doesn't. Are you sure, Kenneth Copeland? Are you sure about that? <laughs> Can you not just pray it away? Um, I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that when I <laughs> lament the fact that, you know, today I we it, it's a Sunday as we're recording this and we it's Palm Sunday, actually. I forgot to right. <laughs> wish you a happy beginning to Holy Week. But, you know, I was so sad this morning uh, not being able to go to church, not being able to to gather as the church on the beginning of Holy Week is a really lamentable thing and it ought to be yeah. heartbreaking because it is um that doesn't you know next week is going to be so me, lament, yeah, me lamenting doesn't mean that next week i get to go to church or that the virus is done or you, you know obviously but what's transform it's this what what you said earlier about the bridge what's transformed is my relation to that suffering even if right. my situation doesn't change, even if my feelings don't change, you know, someone close to me dies, that's that's grief that you need to live through. You need to work through. You can't just shut it down. Um, you can't and you shouldn't. Um, but but what's but I am transformed and my re- relation to that pain is transformed and the significance and the meaning that I find in my situation is transformed because I am um, choosing to wrestle through and and work through my sorrow instead of just like you said, rushing to end it, rushing to slap a bandaid on something so that it feels better. Um, and before we move on to a little more like nitty gritty, um, if you're you know if you're thinking through this and and you are thinking about scripture, um, the story of Job is rich with lament. First of all. He has lots of experiences that, um, you know, <laughs> deserve to be lamented. He loses family. He loses wealth. He loses his health um, for no reason whatsoever, kind of all at once. Um, and we also see him uh, wrestling with that with his friends, um, what he says to God. Um, and uh, we see him dealing with it head on, not... You know, he, he doesn't just curse God and die like his wife tells him to. He he uh, tries to hold together the reality of his suffering and the reality that his Redeemer lives and will one day stand right. upon the earth. Also, in the book of Habakkuk, um, we see a prophet wrestling with <laughs> really scary, horrifying, just awful uh, predictions that God told him. Uh, is going to happen to his people and his land. And we see his response in, well, I mean, like, in chapter three, especially of, of just right. how atrociously bad things will get. Um, I, I actually preached. So the, the one time that I preached to the congregation uh, at the church that I was a youth pastor at, uh, it was on Thanksgiving Eve. So the Thanksgiving Eve service, I preached on suffering and lament in Habakkuk. Um, and I just, I, because it's such a short book, I sort of preached on the whole thing, like in a more general sense, not like a verse by verse sense, but like some of the realities that Habakkuk was living in. I mean, like the, the king who had been on the throne for so long, who had been a good king, um, is that, maybe that's not, um, sorry, I'm, I'm getting myself, my wires crossed. Um, but like the, the suffering that he's seeing, like the, the injustice that is happening um, around Habakkuk, he cries out to God and is like, God, why are, you, why are you silent? Why are you allowing this to continue? And then God says like, if I told you my ways, you would not believe me. If I revealed to you what is going on, you would not believe, you would not have faith. Um, so like read through Habakkuk. It's a really good example of, of what this sort of lament is. And, you know, I love, I love how he closes it because he says, though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food and the flock be cut off from the fold. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I'll take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers and he makes me tread on the high places. Um, so as we're going to see, I think that's a good a good transition um, into how 
we lament, like how we go from our pain to that promise or from pain to grace. Yeah. Yeah. And um, part of that transition is, I think, recognizing or, or, you know, pointing out that one out of every three, roughly, psalms in the entire Psalter (laughs) is a lament psalm. Um, Yeah. One third. And that's a lot. And, you know, besides what that sort of communicates about the place and importance of lament, um, it also means we have a pretty good, you know, <laughs> so to speak, how-to guide of lamenting. We don't just have the stories of prophets like Habakkuk and um, Jeremiah and people like Job. Um, we have uh, poems and songs written by God's people over years and years and years um, teaching us how to pray, how to speak, and how to think in lament. Um, which is a, a huge gift and also helps us to answer this next question we have of how do we lament? What, is it, what does it look like for uh, a person to lament in, in the biblical sense? Um, right. And I think like if, if you could try and like sort of sum it up in one sentence or, um, you know, maybe title a book about lament, um, it would probably be, you know, the question, how long, O Lord, um, I think is a good one. Um, specifically, we see this in Psalm 13. I'm pretty sure it comes up in other Psalms and, and it's all over, probably yeah. also other, you know, books in the Old Testament. And, and I, can't, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But that that cry of like just desperation, fully realizing that God is the one who is the only one to whom we can turn. You know, how long, O Lord, will, you know. That could almost be the the catchphrase of COVID-19 yeah. like how long oh yeah Lord. yeah and 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 it's it you know we got to go further in but but as far as a starting place just rec- this this question reveals our recognition of of who God is our place in relation to him um, our need for him um, and us accepting that you know realizing I can't control this pandemic I can't uh, do anything to change the circumstances. Um, I know who is in control. I know who is is my my Lord and my God. You know, how long will this pandemic continue? How long will fill in the blank? Um, and utilizing, uh, especially the Psalms of lament, we we get sort of a. It's not not I wouldn't say a formula, but we do sort of see a pattern emerge of um, some key elements that make up uh, a lament. Um, do, do you want to start us off with those? or? Um... Yeah. Um, so this is, again, um, taking my cues from Mark uh, Rogop's book on lament, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Um, he sort of sets forward this pattern of lament. So ways in which the Old Testament, Lamentations, Habakkuk, Job, this is sort of how they structure lament. So we talked about what it is. This is almost also like a what is it, but more of like the how-to of it. So it, there, there are four words and there, there are four actions that we take um, based on the psalm. So the first one is turning. The second one is complaining. The third one is asking. And the last one is trusting. So those are sort of like the steps, so to speak. And they're not necessarily always like clearly defined in our own lives, But this is what we see in the Psalms, you know, so a turning to God in prayer. So praying in the midst of pain, um, you know, again, it's not, it's not a guarantee that the emotional struggle will immediately lift, but like, who else are we going to turn to in our time of need? Um, Are we going to turn to man or like the all powerful sovereign ruler of the universe? So like in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of cancer, in the midst of um, war, persecution, famine, we turn in prayer to our God who hears us, who cares about us, who loves us, who can sympathize with us. Um, and so that's that's sort of like the step number one. And that's like obviously what happens in the Psalms. All of them are turning to God in prayer. Um, and there's sort of like a progression here. So like their, their prayer opens and then they, they begin with a complaint. And some people might like twinge, like, mm. like cringe a little bit when they hear like complaint. 
um, you know, complaining to God. Like it sounds like something we can't do. Uh, but the psalmists do it all the time. Like David does it all the time. <laughs> like, why have you forsaken me? Like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a complaint. That's him being like, it seems like you're not there, God. Um, and so, you know, life is filled with a var- variety of suffering, as we've already said. And I've, I, I listed earlier a list um, of suffering, but, you know, financial struggle, abuse, um, you know, suicide, death, like the list goes on and on and on. Like, again, we are, the longer we live, the more pain we are going to see, which that's, that's like the thing that really frustrates me about like the health and wealth prosperity gospel that sort of teaches, like, if you come to God, if you tithe, if you do these, if you have faith, like all these things are going to give you health. They're going to give you wealth. They're going to give you blessing. Um, but that's just not, I mean, that's not in the Bible, but it's also just like not in life. <laughs> yeah. Like the right. longer that we live, the more pain that we see. Even if you're somebody who lives in complete isolation, if you live by yourself in the middle of nowhere, over the course of your life, you're going to have more pain and more suffering as you approach the end of your life. Like that's just the reality of being in a fallen world with decaying bodies, with, you know, cancer that comes, with diabetes, with heart attacks, with dementia and Alzheimer's. Like the longer that we live, the more pain that we see. And so sort of presenting that complaint or presenting that problem that is currently in the sphere of our world um, is sort of like the next step. So like when we're, when we're before God, we're bringing our requests to him. Part of that is like, God, this is the situation that I'm in. And the next step is, is asking. Um, and this is sort of like where the, the yets and the buts come in. Like those are two of like my favorite words mm. um, in scripture. Anytime you see like, you know, there's all this bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff. Yet it's like this turning, this like this, this moment, this ray of hope, like that something else is going to, to come that'll be better. Um, I, I used to have a pastor when I, when I worked at Park Community Church, he used to say his favorite word in the Bible is but. And there was a guy who worked on staff as like one of the um, like main production people. He literally had a video montage of every time he's said the word but like not just like but 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 like the in the context of like my favorite word is but (laughs) um and it was like the funniest thing in the world um but anyway like in in this moment it's you know so you're you're recognizing the reality of your pain the reality of like this is my complaint before you and then this is like the yet and the but is sort of that transition from like it's the beginning stages of that like from pain to promise or from pain to grace and so Um, You know, Psalm 22, as an example, he says, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, uh, I find no rest. So that was sort of like his complaint. Yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. And so in this asking phase, um, it's it's not always just like, you know, here's my problem. God, deliver me from it. Like, take me from this pain. Take me from this suffering. Take my diabetes away. Because again, we don't believe in a health, wealth, prosperity gospel that says like, if you just pray, it's going to immediately take away all your suffering. Um, but the reality is that in this world, we might not escape the suffering that befalls us. We might wind up with our heads cut off uh, for the sake of our faith, um, but that doesn't mean that God cannot help us in that season of suffering. And so the asking isn't just asking for relief from the pain, um, but you're like rooting and grounding the reality of your situation in the God who exists in the God who, you know, like, like David says, in you, our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. Um, you know, you are holy, you are sovereign. Um, and so it's almost like, you know, what do, what do the psalmists ask for? Sometimes they ask for help. Sometimes they say, remember your covenant, like God, do not forget what you have promised to us. Um, they ask for justice. They ask that God would not remember their sins. They ask him to not be silent. So these are the, some of the things that like, when we are in this asking part of lament, um, these are some of the things like, God, don't, you you've promised to be with us until the end of the age like this is in your word this is true i believe this um but sometimes it feels like you're not there with me um and so that's that's sort of like that asking stage and the last part is trusting um and to go back to psalm 22 
verses 9 through 10 as an example in trusting. He says, Yet you are he who took me from the womb, who made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. So like if you read all of Psalm 22, if you read, you know, he's, that's the passage where Jesus, when Jesus is on the cross, he yells, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's quoting Psalm 22, which is how that Psalm begins. And he talks about all the ways in which he feels forsaken. He feels that God is not there. He cannot find his rest. Um, yet in his complaint, in his asking, in his trusting, he's saying like, okay, I recognize the suffering that I'm enduring. I recognize my pain, but... You are the one who has been with me since my mother's womb. When I was even at my mother's breasts, you were there providing for me. Um, you have not cast me away, and you have been my God since before I was born. Um, so he's grounding. Even though his pain is real, even though his pain is tangible, he feels like God is far. He knows that God is near. He knows that God has been good to him, that he's provided for him all throughout his life. Um, and so I know that, I know I was talking for a long time right there, but those are like the four big patterns of lament turning complaining asking and trusting and i thought i would just bring up hebrews 4 um, 14 through 16 that says since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so like one of the realities that we take for granted, I think, especially as New Testament believers, is that we can approach God in prayer, um, that we have access to the throne room. Um, unlike the old covenant where like only one person every um, once every year could enter into the Holy of Holies, we can enter into God's presence whenever we want in prayer. We can come before him with our, our wants, our needs, our requests, our pain, whatever it might be. And we have a great high priest in Christ who sympathizes with us, who knows our weakness, um, and who is there to give us grace. Um, so I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add in that section. I know I said a lot about the how. No, I think that covers it really, really well. And just emphasizing this, this it's it's a pattern of... of um, you know, honest prayer. It's not something that is like a set, uh, you know, equation. Um, that, that Right. And the words aren't like magical right. incantations that are immediately going to, again, they're not going to relieve you of whatever you're going through just because you prayed these four steps. It's almost like a journey that can take days, weeks, months, years. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think more often than not, it does uh, take, right. you know, it's an ongoing um, experience depending on the situation. Um, and, and that's a kind of a, another good segue. So when are we, you know, I was going to say, when are we supposed to lament? But I guess what I really just mean is like, when, when do we lament? When can we lament? Um, is this something that, you know, we do privately at home and kind of keep to ourselves? Um, is this something that we don't do privately? Um, when is it appropriate uh, for a Christian to lament? Um, which I think is maybe not necessarily like the, the first question that comes to mind, or at least not for me. Um, but I think it is a good question. Um, like, obviously, when something bad happens is sort of the basic answer is um lament is a response to a certain experience of of pain of suffering of um anxiety of, of uncertainty um but you know as far as like is this something we do individually is this something we do corporately the answer is kind of well not kind of the answer is yes um or at least it should be <laughs> um a, a yes to both um because we see like you know, David writing a psalm, a song, a poem, whatever, expressing his anxieties, his fears, his um, pain. That's a very intimate and, you know, personal experience and definitely like an individual experience. But the psalms also became Israel's hymnal. So these are these are right. songs that would go on to be sung and used in corporate worship by everybody. So and they're even still used today in the yeah, church. Yeah, um, and I think that it's important to note that there is an individual 
and a corporate aspect to lament. Right. Um, and that take, you know, that, that can take a couple of forms, like it, in the sense that if someone in our community is suffering, there ought to be a corporate response to that. You know, like if we're, right. if we're aware that a church member is going through cancer, you know, and like the, the, the corporate body of the, lo- that local congregation ought to be lamenting. They ought to be praying and interceding and, and, and other things too, bringing food to help, you know, offering support, all that kind of stuff. In addition to that individual responding to the situation um, and lament, but then also there's there's uh, pain and there's suffering that are experienced individually, and there's pain that's experienced corporately. If if your congregation isn't meeting due to COVID nineteen, which please stay home, <laughs> um, that's a that that's a form you know of I guess what we could call corporate suffering, like the the entire community in this case, the church, is experiencing the suffering. So there's also an element of individual and corporate where um, we, we're not just, we're not always experiencing suffering as individuals. We, we also experience suffering as communities, um, which means we need to lament as communities just like we do as individuals. Um, and I know this is something that I remember it was pro- it was probably theology of suffering. I remember it coming up at Moody though. The this the if you take church music, um, you right. you find you know I don't know if if listeners are familiar with CCLI. Um, it's basically the database of you know Christian praise and worship songs that uh, you, like Chris Tomlin is in there. Matt Redman it's like. It, it's a database yeah. that churches are able to access to use copyrighted songs for worship. So if, if you've ever gone to an evangelical church, you've heard songs out of CCLI, either exclusively or, you know, in addition to, to hymns and stuff. But since it's a database, you can look through all the songs. And um, I, I don't know the source. I don't know if you know it, Jensen, but there, there was... No, I, I, I couldn't find the source. Basically, but. approximately... Well, here, let's play a game. Our... You know, the number of the percentage of songs in the CCLI praise and worship database is the percentage of songs that are lament oriented five, 10, or 15%. You wrote down your guesses, tweet them at us, email us. <laughs> it's 5%, which means one out of every 20 songs says something about lament. And contrast that to the Psalms, which is a third. Yeah. So 33% versus 5%. Yeah. Um, now, thankfully, CCLI isn't Holy Scripture, so we can put right. it in a proper place. And the 95% of songs that are more positive or worshipful, you know, as in like, you know, exalting God himself or whatever, um, those are all great songs you know like well those are great topics (laughs) Um, i'm sure some songs are better than others uh but those are all wonderful important necessary things to be uh singing about as churches the 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 issue isn't that we're singing happy songs the issue is that we're not singing laments when there is always something to lament and that doesn't mean well the issue is that we're not covering the broad spectrum of like reality Exactly. And, and the, 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 you know, picking on the songs is a way of pointing out a broader issue that we've already sort of mentioned is in that there isn't, you know, we're not trying to make any statements about your church or your denomination or your experience or even our own. Um, Cause I've had very good experience in this, in this department and less good experience in this department. But generally speaking as a trend, there, there's not a lot of space for lament in um, American evangelicalism, which is sort of the the generic right. sphere that we come out of. Um, and the problem for that is that people have sorrows and they have laments. It's not the full spectrum of emotion, um, and not just emotion, but human experience to only sing right. Thanksgiving. You know, the central act of Christian worship is the Eucharist, which means Thanksgiving. So clearly Thanksgiving is not 
you know, something that doesn't belong in worship. It, it's the, the center of our worship. But the point is that when we're singing songs and we're not pointing out lament, when we're praying as a congregation and we're not lifting up our laments to God as laments um, and naming our sorrow in order to transform it, um, then we're sort of handicapping ourselves, you know, um, because we're, we're not preparing our people to deal with the sorrows and the pains that they're experiencing already. We're not uh, supporting them in the midst of their trials. Um, and ultimately, we're just neglecting a really important aspect of the faith um, in terms of our worship. And um, as a result of that, our theology and our general perspective on our suffering and on lamenting. Um, so really the answer to when do we lament is all the time, <laughs> right. I guess is sort of, you know, w- you know, not to say turn, you know, turn into a depressed, um, pessimist who is not Has grateful no and is, is just sad and upset all the time. But the point is recognizing sorrows and pains for what they are and naming them, you know? Right. Well, because like the re- like we've said it over and over is that the reality is that these things happen to us in life. And if we believe that God is sovereign, if we believe that he is governing the universe and the cosmos, then we have to recognize that even if he is not the source of our suffering, um, it is not outside of his sovereignty. It is not outside of his goodness and his providence. In fact, he uses it to conform us to the image of Christ. Um, yeah. And, think- and sorry, I was going to I was going to say, like, not only that, but just if we believe what he says about himself, about his faithfulness in the midst of those things, the, his, the love that he has for his people, um, it, you know, we're not left without uh, promises about what God's going to do for us when right. we as his children are experiencing suffering. Um, and it's, it's, um, Nowhere are those promises based around us pretending that nothing is wrong. Right. It's not like Paul says, you know, suffering is happening to you, so just pretend it's not there and it'll go away. Right. Like that's not the reality. <laughs> and I think that as we sort of like wrap up this conversation, we sort of were thinking, you know, we sort of said the what, um, the how, the when, um, but like putting this into real life perspective, like putting it into application. Uh, I have a I have a quote here from C.S. Lewis. I think it's... Um, from his book, The Problem of Pain, where he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Um, and so like when we think about some of the realities of this world, um, when we have pleasures, when we have good days, when like life is going well, oftentimes we don't have a quote unquote need for God. Like when we think about the billionaires, the millionaires of this world, uh, most of them are living pretty comf- comfy, luxurious lives. Even if they're not happy, they at least have the facade of happiness that like, mm-hmm. why would I need a God? I already have everything I could ever want. Um, but like in pain and suffering and hardship, like we recognize that we are not in control. There's nothing that we can do. And so like we turn to the one who has control. Um, and that's why like C.S. Lewis says it's like the megaphone to rouse the deaf world. Like if there was no pain, if there was no suffering, We'd be so complacent all the time. We would just be so happy all the time. I mean, even very practically, when I think about relationships, when I think about marriage or friendships, like when a relationship is going well, like it's kind of easy to go on autopilot. It's kind of easy to just like coast along. Uh, But it's sort of like in those difficult days that you sort of have to come together to rally, to like work hard at sustaining that relationship. Um, and in a very similar way with God, like when things are going well in our life, we can sort of go on autopilot. We forget about God's goodness. We forget about his providence. We forget about his grace. And like I'm speaking generally here, obviously, I'm not saying that we all just like completely forget and neglect those things, but it's especially in seasons of suffering and hardship that we go to him, that we find comfort in him, that we, um, I don't know, find reprieve for our souls. And, you know, I also mentioned that much of our lives, you know, if, if we were sort of like to categorically break it down in a percentage again, I don't have like a good number because it sort of differs from person to person. But I think it's fair to say that like 
Much of our lives are spent in anguish, in sadness, both with hurt and pain around every corner. Um, yet, how often do we not know how to address those issues? Like mm-hmm. we we often feel this like, man, these feelings feel unchristian almost, and I shouldn't have them. So we like want to tuck them away. We want to hide them, put on our happy face. When we think about the liturgies of our most of our churches, you know, we come in, we're happy. Everybody's like looking their Sunday best, and uh, we're gonna sing some great praise songs right. about God's goodness and grace. We're gonna hear a sermon about how great we are and how um, how blessed we are, and then we're gonna go home, and then we enter back into the reality of like life is pretty hard, <laughs> and so like we're not creating that space where lament can exist. Um, but that's why we need to like rediscover, to reimagine, to recapture and re-enchant this idea that lament is integral to the the believer's life. It is not something to be neglected. It's not something to be left away uh, because it gives us a voice in the midst of pain. It gives us a an outlet, so to speak, to present these things to our God. Yeah. And I think if, you know, just sort of wrapping up this idea of lament and how to practically... Uh, use it if we can use that language um i think that we get a, a pretty good like paradigm in the 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 book of ecclesiastes as one of my favorite books i love ecclesiastes <laughs> yeah um and the reason that like i feel like people who i feel like like i agree so this is not a critique at all i feel like that's a very bible college answer in the sense that when you actually start diving into the book of Ecclesiastes, it's hard not to love it because it gives a very real and human candid. and multidimensional, candid, you know, just just real, you know, not that the rest of the Bible doesn't, but in a way that history books and prophecies Health, <laughs> wealth, don't... and prosperity gospel. <laughs> it's like they almost um, just like cut Ecclesiastes out of their Bible. <laughs> um and I, I think that the perspective, that perspective of Ecclesiastes is one where lament has space to live. Um, the, you know, chapter one, verse two, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. My favorite thing in high school was when uh, my <laughs> youth pastor started preaching through this book. And I think it's the NIV. It says, everything is meaningless. <laughs> um, oh, man. The chapter one, verse two, everything is meaningless exists right like side by side with uh, chapter 12, verse 13, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. And he talks throughout the book, obviously, about all kinds of things that are meaningless and all kinds of things that are meaningful, um, eating and drinking and laboring and, and resting and fearing God. Neither the fearing God and keeping his commandments and, and, and living in that you know sort of certainty or that everything is meaningless, they're both true in in themselves. And at the same time, neither one can can stand without the other. Right. Because um, in the world that is simultaneously beautiful and painful that we live in, um, both are necessary truths that they go back and forth in, in a dialectic. They, you know, uh, everything is meaningless feeds into... The conclusion is to fear God and keep his commandments. And fearing God and keeping his commandments feeds into everything is meaningless. They, um, you know, we're on this journey through life. We're experiencing um, all kinds of different things that we get pain and joy intermingled. You know, a lot of times, literally at the same time, we're experiencing these two things. Um, and they're they're both real. They're both true. And they feed into each other. And biblical lament gives us that the voice and and the grammar to express that reality we name our suffering we cry out to god we fall on him alone to save us and so practically speaking take the entirety of your lived experience when everything is meaningless and when you've heard everything and you've come to the conclusion that i need to fear god and keep his commandments and everything in between. Take that to God. Pray. Praise. Lament. Praise. Lament. Praise. Lament. Lament. Praise. It's it's ongoing because our life is ongoing. Take up the cry of the psalmist, the one-third that laments, 
and the other thirds as well. <laughs> and the Jesus on the cross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and join with brothers and sisters throughout history and throughout uh, the world today um, to call out to God in everything. And that means uh, when there is suffering and pain, lamenting. And, you know, what does that look like? It looks like taking those things to him in prayer, to God. You don't have to, like, neglect your feelings. You don't have to pretend they don't exist. Yeah. You can't yeah. fake it till you make it in, in life, really. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a beautiful gift to be allowed and able to speak to the tragedies that we experience, the big ones and the small ones. Um, and that's what God has given us, um, among other things, <laughs> in lamenting. So, right. And I think just like as a very practical, like read Job, read Ecclesiastes, <laughs> read Habakkuk, read like the prayer of Hannah, you know, um, mm, read. Yeah. I mean, those are some of like the very like blatant examples, but read those and not just like surface level grazing them. Right. Like think Meditate about the realities that are within them and see how they are real to life they're not just intellectual concepts floating out in space but ground them in your experience too and turn complain ask and trust there you have it the perfect formula no i'm there kidding you go. <laughs> well i think we'll uh, instead of our customary closing of either the book of common prayer or valley of vision we're gonna pray a prayer from the Psalms. Uh, so we'll do a lament uh, here, and it's uh, Psalm 13. I almost said lament 13. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the 13th lament. So here we go. This is to the choir master, a Psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But, yet, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you for tuning into this little episode about lament. And as I said in the beginning, I hope this is one that can be far more practical and tangible for you. You know, I I love that we can have theological discussions and talk about things like descending to the dead and the sacraments. And like these things have some practical application, like where we can experience them. But like my hope is that especially because all of us have suffering, all of us have pain, or if we don't yet, we will. That's something I said over and over to the youth group students who, you know, are in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade, whatever. It's like, sure, maybe you guys don't have a lot of hardship right now, like in your own life, but you either know people who do, or one day you will. That is like a fact of life that we will, even if we face no hardship, we are going to face death. And death alone is enough to lament. Um, and so uh, we thank you. We hope that this was helpful to you and encouraging to you and gives you a, a voice, a way in which you can now navigate through your pain. And so we just want to thank you for listening, not only to this episode, but to all of the Doxology podcast. We hope that you are growing and maturing in your, in your faith. And we hope that, um, that you take that growing and that maturity out into the world around you. So you're not just like hoarding this knowledge, but that you're, um, leaving it transformed and changed and going out and um, being a light to this world. So if, if you'd like to connect with us, hit us up on Twitter at Doxology Podcast. We're at the same handle on Instagram as well. So if you like pretty pictures, come on over. Um, or you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. You can give us feedback. We'd love to answer any of your questions. I mean, Lucas and I were saying before we record, uh, started recording that um, you know, we, we, we need episode topics. We need ideas. And what yeah. better place to get them from you because you guys might have things you want us to discuss so uh, hit us up with that for episode ideas whatever we'd love to hear from you uh, but we hope that you have a great rest of your day please be safe if you're going out into public um, take proper precautions right now during all this coronavirus stuff mm-hmm. um, don't uh, don't go out and 
be one of those people who puts other people at risk. Um, so let's be uh, smart in that respect, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, because definitely. for people like me, I mean, I know I'm, I'm not even in healthcare. My mom is. My mom's a nurse, so she's you know working crazy hours trying to help mm. people who are sick. Yeah. Um, but I'm working at a gas station. Like my mom has a lot of you know surgical gear that like keeps her from contamination to some degree but like i'm out there with just a like rubber gloves and i'm encountering a thousand people a day so like for our sake for people's safety like let's all let's all be smart that's my soapbox sorry no i appreciate it in this time and we can take this time you know tongue-in-cheek a little bit but seriously to lament the suffering that this virus is causing um and to you know call on the lord to heal us to protect us um and for us to remember that he is still good he is all right guys thanks bye